And being a man under authority and having authority, he knew the protocol of what it involved and entailed in putting anyone to death. And all along, Jesus maintained his innocence. He declared that he was the Son of God, but all those charges that were trumped up against him, the Lord Jesus, of course, he was silent. Now, notice the nature of the mockery that was against the Lord. And this is the heart of the whole issue. Why was Jesus so hated? Why was he delivered to be tortured and crucified? Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and today again we're looking at the Lord Jesus on the cross. The Roman centurion is the testimony that we're looking at here today. Here in John chapter 27, 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. What light shone in, what reality hit upon those people just when the Lord had completed his work on the cross, when he had given up his life and rendered himself for our salvation. I hope that today the Lord will come and open your heart and give you an interest in the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus that he fulfilled upon the cross. I pray that there will be an earthquake in your heart to awaken you to the reality that you need the Lord as your Savior. And I would plead with you to take this message to heart today that you might come to grasp the wonders and the miracle of God's wonderful and so great salvation. And so stay tuned with us right through today. We have a hymn, I am amazed that Jesus ever loved me. And then our final hymn is at Calvary. May the Lord work in your heart today and draw you to the grace of the Savior, to know him, to trust him, to look unto him and be saved. This is Ian Gallagher, thanking you for being a part of the program. And at the close today, we'll give you some announcements concerning the Easter services here at our Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. You can also go to our website anytime, www.cloverdalefpchurch.ca, and there you'll get all the announcements and details on our church. Thank you for being a part of the program. May the Lord bless you, give you great grace, and I trust that there will be a blessing in store for you right now as we come to this message on the mighty power of the Lord Jesus at Calvary. I am amazed that God could ever love me.
Matthew 27, we're looking at verse 54, and this testimony of the centurion and those other soldiers that were responsible for the crucifixion of our Lord. And in that verse 54, they said, truly, this was the Son of God. But you'll notice the very thing that made them say that. It says, when they saw the earthquake. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake. Now, every time that there is an earthquake in the world, people do a whole lot of soul searching. There's nothing that will take the pride, the very confidence of man away than to have the very earth trembling under your feet. Two times in the Bible we read about Roman military men who were shaken by earthquakes. One, of course, is in Acts 16, the Philippian jailer, when at midnight the jailhouse erupted, the doors were flung open, and that Roman jailer was about to kill himself thinking that Paul and Silas and other prisoners were gone. He was mightily shaken. Now, the other time is right here when we read of this Roman centurion, who, when he saw the earthquake, he made this tremendous confession. Truly, this was the Son of God. Now, the centurion noticed, of course, a whole lot of things that day. He was there at the cross when at noon the darkness fell. And that thick, dark darkness that surrounded not only the cross, but Jerusalem and Judea, how could he not but begin to search his heart and his soul? Then at the cry of the Lord, when he offered up his soul to the Father and announced that it was finished, and uh, I would draw your attention that the Lord Jesus offered these things with a loud voice 
It was a cry with great energy by which the Lord announced these things. And then we learned of last week the rent veil. Now, I'm not sure if the news could have reached the Roman centurion soon enough before the earthquake uh, that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. By the way, I've learned that that temple veil was a handbreadth thick. It was by no means a slender piece of material. It was a huge curtain that it would take many men to lift into place. And that separated the outer court, the inner court, from the very holiest of all. And there that mighty hand of God ripped the veil in two, and the way into the presence of God was opened up. Now, that message was specifically for Jews because it changed everything for them. Judaism was over. The way of temple worship was over. Now they were to look directly uh, to Jesus as the great and final sacrifice. Now, whether that news uh, got all the way up to Golgotha uh, in time for the centurion uh, to hear that before the earthquake, uh, I somehow doubt it. But uh, that, nevertheless, was a fact. Uh, and maybe he, as a Roman soldier, he would have shrugged his shoulders and said, so what? What does that mean? What is that to me? Nothing. But when the earth quaked and all around him the rocks rumbled and we're told that those rocks split apart, they burst open as it seemed, then God got his attention. And you know, God has his way of getting our attention. And he has his way of speaking uh, mightily and loudly to our dull hearts. Well, on that day, this centurion got the message. And he was brought to the firm conclusion that this victim of crucifixion that he was commissioned to put to death, that he was no mere ordinary man not as the two thieves that were crucified beside him, because they were still alive, by the way. When all of this was taking place, the rent veil, the earth shaking, and the centurion coming to the conclusion that uh, the, uh, the Lord Jesus was the Son of God, uh, these other thieves were still alive. The Roman soldiers still had to come and end their lives upon that cross while our Lord Jesus was already dead. Now, it was the evidence of this earthquake that shook the centurion and brought him, in a sense, to his senses, made him to realize that this death of a man called Jesus was no ordinary death, but in this there was the supernatural. I want us to think today of the testimony that this earthquake and these rent rocks split wide open declare to us today. There is, firstly, the testimony that Jesus was innocent. We do know much of what this man knew. How many times did he hear the Lord preach? Well, we don't know that. How many miracles did this Roman centurion witness that the Lord Jesus had performed? Was he aware of all the goings-on 
in the Sanhedrin to put this man to death? Did the centurion know those secretive Jewish shenanigans to end the life of the Lord Jesus? Did he know that the mob was incited? Crucify him! Crucify him! But I don't believe that this Roman centurion was a fool. He was a leader of men. He was a Roman. He was a schooled and disciplined soldier. And Romans had the most advanced justice system in the world. And being a man under authority and having authority, he knew the protocol of what it involved and entailed in putting anyone to death. And all along, Jesus maintained his innocence. He declared that he was the Son of God, but all those charges that were trumped up against him, the Lord Jesus, of course, he was silent. Now, notice the nature of the mockery that was against the Lord. And this is the heart of the whole issue. Why was Jesus so hated? Why was he delivered to be tortured and crucified? Well, if you look at a number of these verses, starting at verse 39, you will see that those that were passing by, those that reviled him, what did they say? Here's the focus of their mockery. Saying, verse 40 now, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. So these were the unbelievers and these mockers that were seemingly just passing by, yet they were well informed and they had made up their minds. They were filled with their prejudice against the Son of God. And the thing that they absolutely contested, that he was the Son of God. Then the chief priests, when we look at verse 41, and also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel... Let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And it was for that claim that they hated him. It was for that claim that they planned his death, and they handed him over to be crucified. And then you'll notice that this contagion, this leaven of, of prejudice, it also filled the minds of the thieves. And if you look at verse 44, uh, you will see that the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. And here are these two criminals, these two uh, wretches on the cross on either side, and they pick up the very unbelief and the argument against this man called Jesus, and they cast the very same thing in his teeth. Now, along with the claim that Jesus was the Son of God, went 
a perfect life. From the manger, to his adulthood, to his baptism, and all the years of his ministry, men sought to find some fault. But there was none. His overcoming Satan in the wilderness and in the garden, Satan found no sin in him. No way to bring him down. No avenue of temptation that would find a way to bring the Savior into a place of sin. He was innocent. And of course, Pilate wrestled with this whole question. And over and over as he struggled with the claims of the Jews against the Lord Jesus, he himself openly came to the conclusion, I find no fault in him at all. And he handed the Lord Jesus over to the will of the people, to their prejudiced, ungodly, wicked way, with the most contradictory political statement in all history. In John 19, 6, Pilate said, when the chief priest therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And here is the Lord Jesus. His innocence is declared by Pilate. And now these who gather around the cross that are against him. And this centurion who heard the final prayer of the Lord Jesus, who cried out with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. And it was in that instant the earthquake struck. The ground around Calvary, Jerusalem, erupted and trembled. The rocks unseen split open. We're told there in verse 51, the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Some tell us that if you go to that very mountain, you will see rocks that were so split and it was in that instant that the earthquake struck. And it was in that instant that this Roman centurion, in charge of the crucifixion, with the mandate of Rome, following the prejudiced desires of the Jews, that he came to this conclusion, truly, this was the Son of God. He came to that very, very firm conviction. Now, what do you think of Christ today? Do you think that the Lord Jesus was kneeled on that cross and that he was brought to death at Calvary just as one of the many thousands in Roman history that were put to death on a Roman gibbet? Just a mere man, just a mere figure that happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, got caught up in some kind of religious or political furore and paid the price, sadly, of the day. Is that it? This centurion testifies that truly this was the Son of God. 
And the Bible calls you to that conviction. From the very claims of the prophecy of this Messiah and Savior, from the very life that he lived, truly this man was the Son of God. From the very preaching of the apostles as they went out preaching this Jesus that died on the cross and rose again, they were convinced that he was the Son of God. And you are called to that very same conclusion. And if that is so, what then will you do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Do you believe in him? Have you trusted in him? Have you given your heart to him? Now, the other testimony that this earthquake and these rent rocks make is the wickedness of those who willfully rejected the Lord Jesus. All along, these wicked men were seeking ways to destroy the Lord. And they were operating, of course, on the premise of prejudice and of malice. They were unwilling to accept the facts. And they were willing to press trumped-up charges with absolutely no evidence. And they were willing to lie, willing to bribe, willing to have illegal political religious meetings that they might bring about the death of the Lord Jesus. Now, all of this malice, prejudice, and determination to put Jesus to death, it stems back to the resurrection of Lazarus. And because Lazarus was raised from the dead by the power of the Lord, and many believed on the Lord Jesus after that event, that it was the firm conclusion, we must put this man to death. Now, if you join with me over in Rome, John 11, you will see how these event events unfold. John 11, verse 44. Uh, we read here about Lazarus, and the Lord commanded Lazarus, come forth, and he that was dead came forth. John 11:44. bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. One of the most astounding miracles of the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And it was the very thing that convinced so many that this has to be the true Messiah, the true Savior. And you'll notice in verse 45, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And it was this attrition from Jewry to followers of Christ, this many conversions, turning to the Lord Jesus, accepting him as the true Savior that created the crisis. And the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, they were mightily afraid of their leadership, and they thought they must do something. And in verse 47, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council, and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. They didn't deny the miracles. They didn't deny the evidence. But they didn't like it. If we let this alone, all men will believe on him. 
and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then note verse 53. Then, from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. And it didn't matter what miracles were set before them. It didn't matter what answers were given to the questions that he was asked. It wouldn't matter what court he attended or satisfied. They were absolutely determined that they would put the Son of God to death. Yes, I stand in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you 
the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music